0: Our scripture passage for today is found in Exodus 20 And today we are concluding our examination of the Ten Commandments And so let me read to you from Exodus chapter 20 Beginning with verse 1 and continuing through verse 17 And God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt Out of the land of slavery You shall have no other gods before me You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we conclude our examination of the Ten Commandments that you gave your people and continue to give to us through your word, the Bible, we ask that we might be still before and in the midst of your awesome presence that we might look at your word in seeking to understand it through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you might impress upon us the lessons for each of us as individuals as well as on us as a group to understand what you were teaching in your word and how you desire for it to have an effect upon the way in which we live as followers of Christ. Cause us to see that your word is not transient. It will not be gone tomorrow. It is not changing. It is not incorrect, but instead that it it shares all of your attributes, your truthfulness, your faithfulness, your effectiveness, your accuracy. And in doing so, Lord, it is something that we can rely upon with all of our hearts, trusting our souls through your word to your care. Lord, I pray that my words might be faithful to your word because your word is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. As we conclude our examination of the Ten Commandments today, one last opportunity to go through the mnemonic device to remember the Ten Commandments. What we've been doing is words that rhyme with the number of the commandment and then a a picture that goes with that word that helps you to remember what the commandment is. So, what rhymes with one, for those of you who remember? Run. Okay, when you run, you think of someone running before you, and so what is the first commandment? Not the God before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Good. <clears throat> okay, two. What rhymes with two? Many things do, but in, in keeping with this system, shall we call it? Not boo. <laughs> Zoo And what's in the zoo? Animals. animals, beasties. Right. And so when we think of two, zoo, and all the animals in the zoo, then we are reminded that the second commandment is what? That's right. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. This is you shall have no other gods before me. Good. Three. What rhymes with three? Tree, And you think of that tree falling and hitting your foot, and therefore when you think of three tree, you remember the third commandment is...
1: You shall not take the name of the Lord your
0: God in vain. Good. Four. Door. Good. And you think of a church door, and therefore this reminds you that the fourth commandment is... Right. Good. The fourth is, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, and then it continues beyond there. Five. What rhymes with five? Hive. And you think of your parents, because they told you not to go near the hive. Therefore, the fifth commandment is, no, it's not jive. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you fail to keep this commandment near the hive. (laughs) Right. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. Six. Six. Right. Therefore, when you think of sticks, you think of what is the sixth commandment? Thou shalt... You shall not murder. Good. Seven rhymes heaven okay sorry I didn't hear it and heaven when you think of heaven you realize that God sees everything this one doesn't I'm not all that fond of this one if you think of a better one on this one <laughs> let me know of it but seven heaven is what is the commandment with regard to seven right you shall not commit adultery eight what rhymes with eight? Gate. And you picture yourself or someone else going inside someone's gate, and therefore eight is thou shalt not steal. Good. Nine. What rhymes with nine? This is an easy one. Lying. Right. Thou shalt not bear false testimony. And ten, the last one, den. And what is in that den you picture? You don't have to picture a 144-inch large-screen television. You can picture anything you want. But the message of the Tenth Commandment is what? Thou shalt not covet. And then it goes on in the commandment to list all of the things, including everything that we are not to covet. Excellent. In thinking about these commandments, I was thinking about the events of this past week. And Many events have been happening in our world today, which make it clear to us that our world seems to be unraveling. In the midst of all the things that are occurring, I wish, and I'm sure you do too, that it made sense, that it was clear what was going on, and that instead of unraveling, things were being put together. But as we look at the world around us, we have threats from within and threats from without. We have threats of death. Not perhaps to us literally, but threats of death in our world today. From bombs in Israel, Palestine, and London. Threats of death from involvement in foreign struggles, including that in Bosnia, and now the worry of the strong-arm tactics China is currently using against Taiwan. Threats of death as well from Jack Kevorkian. And out on the West Coast, the law of Washington State prohibiting assisted suicide being struck down by a federal panel of judges. In midst of all this, we are seeking to go through the primary process of selecting the candidates who will run for the office of President of the United States. And we see in the midst of all this politicking, what our fellow citizens consider to be the primary problems with our nation. The issues that they believe are threatening them and us. Those things that are holding them and us individually and as a nation back in our pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, or whatever is involved in those things we're pursuing. The Associated Press exit polls indicate that people are nearly split 50-50 saying that our biggest problems are economic or moral. In the New York exit poll this past week, voters for Bob Dole indicated by a 56 to 49% margin that our economic problems were a bigger concern for them than our moral problems. In Vermont, findings from the exit polls in Tuesday's primaries indicated that, quote, a little over half of voters said economic issues were more important than moral ones. And voters were very concerned about their standard of living falling in the next 10 years. Now, part of the way in which I'm getting this is online. You can get it through the newspapers, you can get it on the radio, you can get it in a television. America Online did a poll listing the top 10 issues in order of value for those who responded to their poll. It's not scientific. These were the issues. In order of priority, the budget taxes, the economy, downsizing government, education, abortion, the deficit, health care, environment, moral decay, and family values. What does all of this have to do with the Ten Commandments? I think as we look at God's Word, we see very clearly that it is tied up in the Ten Commandments. And in the life of faith as we see expressed in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and following, the Ten Commandments speaks to these issues. And as we seek to have a godly view of the life that we are living and the world around us, the Ten Commandments must be a fundamental basis of our examination of the world in order to see what is God thinking? What is His reaction to all of these things? How does he respond? Because we as his people are to respond as he responds. Deuteronomy 28 says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you trust, if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all of the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. And there is a flip side to the coin. The flip side begins in verse 15, and it's exactly the reverse. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then goes on the list. The previous list is turned on its head completely. It continues in verse 43 The alien who lives among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. He will lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He will be the head, but you will be the tail. All these curses will come upon you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave to you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. This is, this is an awe-inspiring message. It's a message which lifts us to the heavens and dashes us to the gates of hell. Because it tells us the message that we are given throughout Scripture which is that God holds in His hands all of these things. We see through this example in Deuteronomy what we are reminded of again and again and again throughout Scripture, which is this. God rewards obedience and punishes disobedience. Now many people take issue with that. We find it told throughout Scripture, including in the proverb that says, whatsoever you sow that will also you reap sow the wind reap the whirlwind but he does not just reward obedience and punish disobedience in the hereafter he does it also now and his rewards and his punishment come in many different ways his rewards and his punishment are born out in our bodies our physical bodies this what I am They're born out in our physical health. We're told in this passage explicitly with regard to one aspect of health. There will be fruitful wombs. In other words, children among the people who are obedient. Now, let me put a, a caveat here, which is this. Anytime we take the message of Scripture and try to seek to apply it more explicitly than it is applied in Scripture, we are making a dreadful mistake. And so there is nothing explicitly that tells us in these passages if you or I are disobedient or if we have this result, it means we have committed this sin. That is the fallacy of the book of Job. Because you are having difficulty in any area that Scripture speaks of as a punishment, a possible punishment, does not mean that God is cursing you. Job is the example. God allowed Satan to bring curses, difficulties into his life because Job was a faithful man of God. So when I talk about these things, don't, don't, don't flip it and feel that I'm saying if, if I have this difficulty in my life that's mentioned in Scripture here, it's because I have been disobedient. That is not the message of Scripture. It's always an issue that you and I must address as individuals, but it is not what I'm talking about now. So we read in this passage that there will be children among those who are obedient to the Lord. We know in scripture that that health will come as a result of obedience. On the other side, we read in Romans chapter 1, verses 24, 26, and 27. We read some explicit things regarding health on the curse side of the equation. 24 says this, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. 26, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Scripture is full of this, pointing out to us <clears throat> that God's rewards and punishment come to us in our very bodies. And so as we look at the world today, and as we look at the issue, for instance, of sexuality, we look at the issue of AIDS, we can say very clearly that God does use this as a means of punishment for those who have been disobedient. Now, again, that what I warned against earlier because someone has this or any other disease or difficulty in the body is no indication of personal sin in their life However, God does use these things to say to people you have sinned against me And frequently what happens when difficulties whether physical otherwise are brought into our lives or the lives of those we know it may be sort of a, a byproduct of the sin of others and so, as, again, as a result, it is brought in as a result of sin, not necessarily the sin of the person who has the difficulty. There are spiritual consequences as well. Our passage in Deuteronomy speaks to innumerable blessings in our relationship with the Lord, if and when we love Him and serve Him. And we are told throughout Scripture that there are great curses for disobedience, The passage in Romans chapter 1 speaks explicitly to this, talking about how the people who have chosen to ignore the way in which God reveals himself will go into sin and get farther and farther into it. And part of the sin that they will embrace as a result of this is the breaking of the second commandment, which is, Thou shalt not make any graven images, nor bow down to them, nor worship them. We're told in Romans chapter 1 that these people will embrace God's of all sorts and this is a part of the curse of spiritual consequences for disobedience we are, demonst- we are shown in the gospels demon possession as a spiritual curse and elsewhere in scripture we are shown in scripture as well that in our bodies we also are blessed with mental and emotional psychological blessings for obedience and cursed with the curses for disobedience. Think of this example of when your enemies come from you, they come for you. If you follow me, they will flee from you. All of your enemies, all of the people in the world will fear you. And what is that, if not a mental and emotional blessing? (laughs) What's it feel like to stand and know that you don't need to be afraid of anybody else, but they are afraid of you? That's the whole king of the hill routine, isn't it? When you get up on that hill and you say, I can stand here because there isn't anyone who can knock me off. Then you say, well, now, now we're doing getting someplace. It, it does something for you, doesn't it? We're told in Scripture as well that disobedience brings with it fear. That's a, a, a terrible curse. And so many other examples in Scripture. we're told in Scripture that our material possessions are either blessed or cursed as a result of our obedience to God's laws or disobedience to God's laws. What does it say in our passage in Deuteronomy? It says, God will make you the head and not the tail if you obey. God will bless all the works of your hands. It says that several times, doesn't it? God will bless all the work of your hands. That means whatever I go into, he's going to work on and bless. Whatever the nation goes into, he will work on and bless as they honor him. A magnificent thought. Think of how often we are concerned that the ventures that we enter into will fail. Again, this does not mean in specific circumstances, individualized situations, that there won't be failure. This is an overall umbrella of God's blessing work of the hands of the nation that trusts in him. And on the other hand, he will make you the tail and not the head if you disobey. Even to the point of others owning, the nation that disobeys lock, stock, and barrel. And everything that they do failing to the point where foreigners own them. Now, this is where, as we look at Scripture, and as we look at the Ten Commandments, and as we put all these things in perspective, we start to have a conceptual framework for understanding what is going on in our world today. What did the media tell us? was the main issue that motivated or drove the previous presidential election pocketbook right this is what we were told that the pocketbook was the issue that motivated the election as we look at this passage in Deuteronomy (coughs) and as we look at how it ties into the Ten Commandments we see all these things are secondary Do we want our pocketbooks blessed? Do we want to be a powerful nation? Do we want the work of our hands to succeed? Do we want the people of the world to fear us? Do we want to have a fruitful nation in every way? With children and with crops? With cattle? With businesses going forward? Yes. Isn't that part of all the issues that people said had driven them in selecting whom they selected in the primary? The budget, money, taxes, what you pay to the government, the economy, downsizing government, education, abortion, deficit, health care, environment, moral decay, and family values. All of these are tied up in one bundle together. And the thing that we cannot get away from in the midst of this bundle is that God says all strings come back to me. I hold every string. And if you think that you are going to take care of an issue at a time or a lump of issues... We are going to take care of the children in our nation by handling education and by handling welfare and putting all of these things together in such a way that the children in our nation are provided for and protected. Great idea. But if we do it in such a way that our premises are based upon dishonor for the Lord and disrespect for Him and His laws, we cannot succeed. We cannot succeed if we're concerned with pocketbook issues. Does this have anything to do with our regard for the Lord? Yes, again. It's a string that he holds in his hand. He tells us clearly in Deuteronomy that The nation that trusts in Him and honors His commands will succeed economically. Businesses will succeed. People will succeed. The work that they set out to do with their hands will succeed as they honor Him and trust in Him. What if they don't? The opposite will happen. I think in the last several months we have seen something that has has struck me with power. We can say to ourselves the same thing regarding the economy, regarding businesses and all these sorts of other things that we say with regard, for instance, to children. We can say, well, I would like, I would like to address this issue. And I think if we make these little tweaks and adjustments in the the ratio of government involvement versus private sector involvement, if we uh, lower the capital gains taxes or raise them or do this or that or the other, then we're going to have a beneficial effect on this, that or the other. What happens if the God who controls the heavens sends disaster upon our land? Where does our money go to? This past winter, how many national disaster areas have been declared? It seemed in the last several months that ticked them off. This state, that state, that state, that state. It's just going like uh, my meter goes during the summer when I have the air conditioner going zoom, 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 zoom. You don't want to watch it too long, you get dizzy. <coughs> That's evidence to us of the fact that we can work our hardest and run like a rat in a cage on one of those little... What do you call them? Treadmills, yeah. Just run out of treadmill. But you're not getting anywhere. Where do the Ten Commandments fit in with this? The Ten Commandments fit in with this because they express to us as we are followers of Jesus Christ... What pleases him and what displeases him? If you want to have a concept and an understanding of how the world works and how the world should work, and if things go wrong, why they have gone wrong, how to examine the daily news, how to examine the issue of Jack Kevorkian's acquittal by the jury, how to examine the fact that a, that a pastor was the jury foreman and he got up there and said... We, as a people, have had an opportunity over the last several years to look at this issue of assisted suicide. I'm I'm paraphrasing, of course. And we find it to be good. Therefore, is there any sense in these things? What we have to come back to is the Ten Commandments. What does God say about this issue? When you look at the Ten Commandments, it's like looking at the index to a book. The issue is human life. Therefore, the commandment is six. Thou shalt not commit murder. Oftentimes we won't find the answer or the way to look at and to understand the issues of our day, specifically just addressed in the commandment itself. But as we look at God's word to find out how he explains these issues how he tells us the value of human life, how he tells us in what situations killing is justified and in what situations it isn't. Then we can find out what to think about this horrific thing which is assisted suicide. <clears throat> I was talking recently with a pastor's wife of a minister who was who retired a number of years ago, about ten years ago. And she said that As her husband taught the communicants class and he has been a Lutheran pastor that he never ever had thought to address for instance homosexuality or abortion in addressing the Ten Commandments when they went through these things. Because he never thought that they would be issues. This is where it is crucial for us to devote ourselves to the Ten Commandments is a table of contents to understand our culture and to understand what God wants of us as His children. Because as we look at the Ten Commandments, we find God speaking out about these things, making it clear what His view is, so that His people can have no misunderstandings. If we are devoted to God's Word as authoritative If we are devoted to Him to learn what He says, to follow what He requires of His people, then we will rarely be mistaken. So I would encourage you, remember the Ten Commandments, use them as a framework to examine the world. Now there will be frequent times when we will be placed in the position that Lot was placed in. And as a result of that and as a result of the times like during this past week when I look at the world around me and so greatly troubled, I read to you from Second Peter chapter 2. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. In parentheses it says, For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. When you look at the Ten Commandments and find them being disregarded, torn down, and hated on all sides, then remember that God has put us in this world as messengers of light to proclaim the news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And when we see people continue to disregard him, to hate him, to hate his word, and his authoritative and unchanging rules, which are indeed truth, remember, there are people who have gone before us troubled in the same way we are. God promises salvation, and he promises to bring peace to us as we strive for righteousness in an unrighteous world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you would keep our minds devoted upon you, and as our minds are devoted on you, turned towards Christ as our Savior and as our brother, help us to remember that your word tells us how to please you, that the Ten Commandments tell us both what is right and what is wrong. We pray that you would help us to live in such a way that we honor your commands. We pray that you would help us to understand the world around us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.